Hey guys, a warning about today's episode. It does contain some graphic descriptions of giving birth and other women's health topics, plus some adult language. So this one might be best enjoyed in your AirPods. Welcome to Reprogramming with Lindsay Hyatt. I'm Lindsay, a copywriter and certified coach with nearly two decades of experience. I've seen it all in both the corporate world and in entrepreneurship, and I'm here to spark conversation about the things that matter most. Reprogramming is a podcast to help you shift perspective, consider new viewpoints, and challenge your old belief system around business, entrepreneurship, health, wellness, empowerment, and more. If you are ready to reprogram your life for more success, fulfillment, and joy, you're in the right place. Hello and welcome to another episode of Reprogramming with Lindsay Hyatt. I am your host, Lindsay, and today I'm so happy to have our guest, Sarah Swarniak. Sarah is a full-time content specialist with more than 15 years of experience where her career has spanned from writing for local newspapers, online publications, and freelancing for local and world-known brands. In 2021, she launched buffalocommunicationsjobs.com, a resource for helping marketing professionals professionals in Western New York find job opportunities. Sarah is also the host of Best Foot Forward, a podcast where she interviews local marketing professionals and shares valuable job search advice. Sarah and I connected because we are both proud Buffalonians and we are in the marketing space together. I've gotten to know Sarah over the past few months and have learned so much about not only her business, but her personal health journey, which she is so kind to share with us today. This episode of Reprogramming will dive into our perspectives on health, the American medical system, and dealing with it all as a woman, and there is plenty to talk about there. So Sarah, welcome, and thank you. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor uh, you know, to be a part of your journey starting the podcast, and I was so grateful that you were a guest on mine too. So it's awesome to kind of reciprocate and, you know, switch places here a little bit, right? Yes. It was so much fun. And I loved being on your podcast, which I mean, being local to Buffalo, it's such a small town and every week you would have some, I'm like, Oh my God, I know them. Oh my God. I know them. It's so fun. It's so back, fun. I took a little break. Uh, you know, I, I needed to take a little break, but I'll be getting back into the swing of things um, soon. So yeah, I definitely appreciate you tuning in too. appreciate of it. Of course. Yeah. Okay. So let's dive in. I would love if you could share with our audience, just, just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from. Obviously we know you're from Buffalo. Well, I assume you're from Buffalo and how you became a content specialist. Yeah, so born and bred here um, in good old Buffalo and uh, began my career as a journalist for the Hamburg Sun, um, a weekly newspaper in the South Towns that I grew up reading and, and had the privilege to work for for a period of time and went in, um, you know, moved on from that role as a marketing director at a local elementary school, which was a really, really cool job. Um, loved working with kids. And I know you too, as a former teacher, uh, the joys that kind of come with that um, and the challenges and uh, moved on. Uh, right now, I'm a full-time content specialist for Elderwood. And I also freelance for um, local and global brands and just really um, blessed to combine my love for writing, storytelling, and marketing. And 
it's really a fulfilling journey and I'm grateful for the opportunity to use my skills to make a meaningful impact with uh, the content that I create and share and, you know, to have gone to school for it and be able to work in the field. It's truly, um, you know, something that I'm very lucky and fortunate to do. Yeah. That's, that's so cool that you kind of had all of those different experiences leading up to it, which I'm sure all contributed to the work that you're doing now as a content specialist. I would love to know, I know the last few years have been hard for for many people, but I know that you've been dealing with a lot of personal health issues. Would you be willing to share your journey with us? Yeah. I mean, to kind of delve into the nitty gritty of what really I went through um, after the birth of our second daughter, Audrey, Um, she was born in August, 2021. To kind of give you the difference of scope and care um, or the path or the journey to to health. I kind of need to go back. Um, Pregnancy doesn't agree with me. And, um, you know, I envy the women that are fortunate enough. And I mean, I'm happy for them that they've, you know, for women who have easy, relatively easy, I should say, pregnancies, growing a human is is not an easy task. Um, But, you know, they're kind of unicorns to me because I think all of us, have had our stories, you know, whether you've had, you know, birthing a human go easy peasy for you or not, it's still a trauma for the body, right? No matter what, you know, you know, matter if it's easier or you've got quite a story to tell. Um, but with my first daughter, um, I, my oldest Evie, she was born June, 2017. When I was 11 weeks pregnant with her, I found a lump um, right beneath my jawline, um, right under the ear. So I was 11 weeks pregnant. Obviously, you've got to be careful with scans, right? You know, you're pregnant, you can't you know, expose yourself to radiation. So I had an MRI. That was a benign tumor. And um, nine weeks after I gave birth to her through an emergency C-section after a 20-hour labor. So nine weeks after that, I had surgery for that to get taken care of. Um and because we have pregnancy hormones, which help our babies grow, helps the help the tumor grow. So it was like double the size, you know, it's supposed to be like a 90 minute surgery. It was five and a half hours. My husband was freaking out, worried. And then I was breastfeeding. So she's just like, she's got a pump. She's got a pump. Oh and, um, you know, and you can't do that when you're in surgery. Um, you know, I had an amazing skilled ears, nose, throat surgeon, did not have to sacrifice the facial nerve because that runs that the, they call it the trunk of the nerves runs. And it's, you know, that controls your mouth and your eye function, uh, you know, with closing and smiling. Um, he was able to keep that intact, but they are sensitive creatures. So I had, you know, facial paralysis for three or four months, but everything came back. You know, everything was benign. You know, <laughs> that journey was difficult, but that's like child's play compared to what I went through after I had Audrey um, in 2021. Let me just, before you jump in, I just want to, I want to commend you because if, like you said, if you have a relatively uneventful pregnancy, you're still birthing a human and the stress that you have after becoming a first-time mom in itself with nothing else added is very intense. And of course, it's different for everyone. Some people experience it even worse than others with postpartum and things like that. So to have to go right from having your first baby, an emergency C-section into the surgery, 
and worrying about things like, oh my gosh, she needs to pump. And, you know, and, and is my face going to be able to work when I'm done? And what about paralysis and things? That's insane. That's a lot to go through. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm no stranger to trauma in life. I mean, we all have, you know, not to turn it on a, a want want kind of note, but you know, we, we all have good and bad things that happen to us. You know, I lost a brother when I was 17. So I kind of have become really good at, um, you know, putting things into compartments and dealing with it and, you know, having control and kind of taking you into like the next step with giving birth to Audrey, I got really sick. And when you, you can't control that, you can't say, I'm going to put this in a compartment and deal with it later. Or, you know, I'll have a good cry in the shower and not deal with this right now. Um, when you're ill, you don't have that control. You are just literally falling apart, um, you know, by the wayside. Um, so it's, um, you know, I'm definitely, women are just friggin' tough to begin with. Um, so to kind of get into what happened with Audrey, um, that was a planned cesarean because I, you know, weighed the pros and the cons of whether or not I should, you know, try a VBAC or do that. And I figured, you know, what if the same thing happens again? You're essentially doing, when you labor for so long and then have an emergency C-section, you have had two labors when you, when you really, I mean, that's especially OBGYN told me is like you pretty much you two labors and you've done all the work without the fruit (laughs) I got exactly I got to the very end too and then um Evie's heart just went bonkers um she was in distress so this time I opted you know to do a planned um cesarean routine on the day we go in and um you know I start hemorrhaging and I, it was a different experience. Like my OBGYN, he is so the most positive, uh, wonderful personality, always on the upside of things. And hearing him, because you're awake for your C-section, um, you know, hearing him saying, I, I don't trust your vitals. I, you know, there, there's no way those are that good. I need to, you know, calling for pints and pints of blood, you know, asking count, count, count. You're hearing all of this. Totally different from when I had Evie. Evie my husband never left the room with you the entire time. And then it got to a point with Audrey where it's like, they pull Matt out, my husband, mm-hmm. they pull baby out. And then I'm like, Oh no, this is not good when they're pulling him. I think we've watched Grey's Anatomy enough times to know when they're pulling this out. It's not good. Um, and when you have a C-section, you can feel like you don't feel pain, but you feel tugging and you can feel like them pull the baby out. So you just feel a tugging motion. And there were times like I was bleeding out and they couldn't find where it was, where the bleed was. And I could hear paging of doctors. Uh, you know, I need this guy. I need this person. Um, and, you know, they're moving things around and I'm just like, what do you do? I mean, what are you, what are you doing? Anything. I'm what, like, what thoughts are going through your head as you're hearing this unfold? I just remember before they pulled Matt and Audrey, they were to my left um, across the room. And I just remember, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just going to look over there and just keep my money, my eyes, you know, eyes on the prize kind of thing. That's all I care about. And whatever happens to me, it's I'm either going out, you know, looking at that 
or I'm just, you know, going to make it, you know, either way, I'm going to fight, fight. I have another daughter at home who ironically asked me, um, you know, weeks prior, um, when you're trying to explain, like, I'll be gone at the hospital. This is what's going to happen. She had asked me, like, could you die? Oh, my God. Or I mean, my daughter's a old soul in many ways and very smart for her age. And I wasn't going to lie to her. And I just said, you know what? I have a really good doctor and, you know, you know he's going to do everything he can to get me across the finish line, no matter what. And it's not for you to worry about. I'm not going to lie to her and say, oh, everything will be fine. And God forbid. But anyway, you know, I could, I just remember feeling tugging and feeling like nauseous as they, like, there was a couple tugs where I just felt like, like nauseous and, and it, you know, it worked out. They found wherever the hacker was. Thank God. And, um, you know, got into to the room um, to give you perspective too on like the healthcare system. I went in for Friday morning to have Audrey. I was sent home Sunday. No, after, after all of that. Yeah, I mean, they just you know, it's I hemorrhage had two pints of uh, blood pumped into me, and when you think of the perspective especially I couldn't go to the bathroom for like a day, Um, get home. Evie, my oldest, started preschool, pre-K four. At this point, we're um, towards the end of September. So we're like a month out from Audrey being born, four weeks. We get a call from her school saying she was exposed to COVID. It's like, great. So we have a newborn. And I'm post-op. Um, okay, so we're going to put a watch on her um, and make sure that the siblings are separated just in case. That was a Saturday. And Monday, she was supposed to go to dance class. And I just remember her being quiet throughout the day, which is not like my... Oh, no. And then she looked funny. And I took her temperature and it was 102 fuck basically you know um this isn't good um have my husband you know we call the pediatrician and you know get her in right away let's get her you know especially since we have a newborn at home um go into survivor mode I will say that's always been my gift of in the middle of a storm or tornado I just know do this 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 and this and packed up everything um, and in that meantime, at the, the doctor's office, Evie did test positive. Um, so my dad came cause I'm a, you know, C-section, I can't drive yet. And my husband can, you know, can't like, you know, ditch a kid to go drop off. So my dad came, um, opted to go with Audrey to my parents to try to protect Audrey. Cause you know, for weeks, newborn. They don't have the immunity that we have or the, um, you know, the immunizations or anything. And the guilt I had, it was at night and my husband and Evie were pulling in the driveway. So they saw like from a distance, we said goodbye. And I'm like, I'm leaving my sick, my poor little girl who has COVID, you know, and I need to protect this newborn. Mm -hmm. So that that separation was the hardest thing to do because as a mother, it's like I need to take care of my daughter. She's sick. 
Um, thankfully, like literally the next day, she was fine. She wasn't symptomatic anymore. So she only had a day's worth of symptoms, but still I'm like separated. Right. And um, Audrey and I were negative. Um, my husband ended up catching COVID. So we had to stay separated until mid-October. Gosh. So from the end of September, you know, this is where I start feeling really sick. And I'm talking insane nausea I've never experienced in my life. Um, I was vomiting, um, dry heaving. I, I just was like, something's not right. And went to my doctor's office. I was having heart palpitations and they're, they're my primary care office is amazing. They will, if something's wrong, you know, they'll get you in. And I called before closing, it was in the evening and they're like, just come in, come in and we'll, we'll check you out. Um, and they have like an EKG machine. Cause I was saying I was, I was experiencing heart palpitations and, um, everything was fine and normal. You know, the doctor's like, okay, um, you know, it's not uncommon. Uh, let's do a blood panel. You lost a lot of blood. You, um, basically, you know, thyroid issues can pop up. I have a family history. My mom has Hashimoto's thyroid issues run in my family. So it would just be the logical thing. Like something, you know, something would pop up like that. My mom's thyroid went bonkers after she had me. Everything comes back normal. Oh, that's almost worse, isn't it? It is in so many. And I'm sure a provider feels the same way where they're like, okay, well, you know, now, you know, now you do. I have never been to the doctor's office more in my life. I was going once a week because like, it, it would just wouldn't stop this insane, like this insane nausea. Um, my guts just felt like I abdominal pain. I, I mean, when I say it felt like I was dying, I'm not exaggerating. Things were not right. And of course, like, I'm like, was it the C-section? Did something happen? Did something go wrong? Um, you know, they did like, um, you know, did scans for that, like an ultrasound. That was fine. Um, the OBGYN did that, um, just to check on things. And it came to a point where the idea of, you know, we think you might have postpartum anxiety. I'm going to, you know, this is the empath in me the I'm going to understand their perspective, <laughs> bigger person of me. I get where that would have come from because you know they said you just had like a really stressful experience with COVID going on in the house. You are postpartum from having a baby. It's it, obviously it's very common at postpartum depression and all that stuff. Um, so I get where they're coming from, especially when you have an otherwise normally healthy thirty-something-year-old. Right. So what's the logical thing, you know? And then that that pops up. But women, our intuition, ring, 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 ring. Bing, bing, yeah. bing. Did I have anxiety? Um, yeah, it was from being sick and not knowing what was going on, being scared. And at this point, um, move on to um, GI specialist. So let's check your gallbladder. Mm, that's yeah, that that can be a culprit. Normal. Um, okay. This is around Halloween. 
my vision goes blurry. Oh my God. How scary. I'm talking wonky, like blurry. I can't see. And I understand too. It's like super common for women during pregnancy and after to have vision issues, but I'm like, this isn't normal. I, you know, I didn't have this issue with my first kid. Um, obviously you can't compare pregnancies. I get that. Um, but this isn't right. Still feeling like I'm dying. Um, waking up at, it's always three o'clock in the morning with insane nausea, nausea throughout the day. I have no hunger at this point, Mm. which is a weird feeling. Um, I have to force myself to eat vomiting. Um, the GI check for H pylori, which can be a common, it's like a bacteria in your stomach that can cause a lot of upset that came back negative. So no, you know, nothing there went to an eye doctor, um, because they put me on a PPI drug, which is an acid reducer. And it's the vision started, the vision blurriness started when I started taking that. So I'm like, is this a side effect of the drug? And because it is listed in the, 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 you know, when you get that lengthy, all the side effects, right. And they're like, um, never have had somebody had that issue before, but if you stop taking it, um, in like a week and your vision comes back, you know, that must've been it. And if not, if not, you need to call your primary. Uh, so. Oh yes. my God. It's like crazy to me. That's like, well, don't take it. And we'll see if your eyesight comes back. It's just like, it's so casual. Like, Hey, hope it comes back. If not, you know, just go back to where you started with your primary care doctor. Boop, boop. And I did. And the provider was like, uh, I think you have a sinus infection. <laughs> so I've had sinuses since chronically since I was 12 and never once has my vision gone blurry. Never once. I've never heard of that. I also have chronic sinus issues. Never had anything like that. That's serious. When you're, if you're talking about your vision, that's not like something that's like, oh, it'll get better. Like, oh, I have a little headache. Like it's your eyesight. Yep. And um, so at this point, I'm like, do I have MS? Because <laughs> you hear about pregnancy and like heard stories, stay off of Google. Um, so, you know, the funness continues. And at this point, we were going to do an endoscopy. Um, but, you know, those procedures get scheduled out. So that wasn't scheduled until December. So November, um, Thanksgiving Day, I really felt like I was going to, like, I wanted to go to the hospital. I, so another test showed an infection in my large intestine. So, okay. Do we have the answer now? You almost feel like, like this has to be it. Yeah. And start antibiotics. I don't get better. I get worse. God, that is frustrating. And so very, and so that was a 10 day round. And then like a week later, I had like a relapse of sim- like further symptoms. So they put me on another round of antibiotics. Mm. And then after that, we're around Christmas at this point. That was the darkest Christmas I've ever had in my life. I can imagine. And you have a newborn still during this whole time. You have a newborn right. and a small child and you're navigating this. I can't, I can't begin to imagine. So all of my daughters first, right? Yeah. First year, her first holidays, Halloween, Christmas, you know, Thanksgiving. 
unreal. Um, my parents were, you know, a huge support system. My husband, of course, um, you know, just trying to like navigate this and, you know, <laughs> and then the next thing, because I, I mean, I'm a spiritual person. Um, but the next thing I did was I, if I'm not going to get answers from doctors, I'm calling my family psychic. Oh my God. Yes. You I'm know, so glad you did. <laughs> I would, that's I'm amazing. I would, I would do the same thing. So I got a, a, a reading from her. Um, she's like a, a second mother to me. She's actually my friend's mother. And when my brother passed away, um, my senior year of high school, she reached out to my mom, obviously to offer condolences, but to, you know, give her um, peace of mind from my brother with things. And every year after that, we'd go to her for his anniversary and things came up um, and she's really good. I mean, stuff that nobody would know, um, you know, talking about my grandma, like literally like screaming, like she's had enough. She's had enough um, telling me like you're you're being carried. Like literally by Jesus and by your grandmother and all of those to they're carrying you. And the theme that keeps popping up is this too shall pass. And in the moment of, of, um, hell that you're going through, you just want to like chalk that saying out the window and like, I need it over now. And I was just so desperate. Like, when is this going to end? Give me a date and a time and I'll hang on till then because it's day in day out of suffering. And she was like, I can't really tell you that because you're on a journey. And, um, you know, she told me, she's like, I see you getting in an infusion, an immunotherapy. And I'm like, for what I have, I've never heard of that in my life. Um, okay. And my husband is a skeptic. Okay. So is right. mine. We've got plenty to talk about there. <laughs> yeah. So here's what like really like even he, his jaw was on the floor. So we had a, an appointment with my, my GI and I had to go on a six week taper of an antibiotic. And then she said, we can try, there's a new infusion immunotherapy available. Would you be interested in seeing if we can, if you're qualified for it? My jaw. Wow. And my, even my husband was like, what? I mean, the, the looks on our faces, the doctor probably thought we were nuts. Like, Cause I probably was just like, what the heck? Who would have wow. thought that was happening? That's incredible. And he was the first one who was like, you don't have anxiety. Oh, cause I, I went through the whole, yeah, I went through the whole gamut of everything that happened. And he's like, no, 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 no. You, you had a baby. You should have been recovering you should have been bonding with your your daughter and your oldest as a family. You shouldn't be dealing with this. And went over, you know, all of the symptoms. And he was just like, none of your symptoms align with what you've been diagnosed with. Something- what was your diagnosis at that time? So I was treated for C. diff, which is an infection. It's like a bacteria in your large intestine, which tends to become an issue with when you have a lot of antibiotic use. Okay. Um, so 
he was just like, none of what you're telling me is really related to that. There's like a couple things where maybe, but he's like, the majority of your issues are upper GI. And that's not, that's not CDF. CDF is all lower GI. And he, he was just like, you need an endoscopy. And the thing is, is like, you can't do those scopes, like an endoscopy colonoscopy until you're cleared of your quote unquote infection. You risk going sepsis. So like, that's the, the drawback in this whole journey is we had to wait. So we do the CAT scan and they find, it's an incidental finding. They find a splenic artery aneurysm, hmm. which I then had to get referred to a, a vascular doctor. And then I'm the youngest person in that waiting room because it's usually, you know, older people with vascular issues. And, you know, he told me he's like the culprit of that is usually pregnancy because you have this growing child, you know, crushing in on your your organs and everything. And he said that the the hormone that's released towards the end of pregnancy, which relaxes your hips to deliver relaxes your arteries vascular system and that's when these little aneurysms can pop up and he told me they're rare but he said i you know and these are always incidental findings so you're looking for something else and he said i guarantee you if women had if every single woman had a cat scan after delivery you'd find a lot more of these you can go your whole life and never know you have it. So at this point, um, I go to my like my main um, primary doctor. If I could, um, I don't, I don't think, and I'm a writer. I don't think I could ever come up with the words to say how grateful I am to her and the words that she said to me. She was the, you know one of the the best conversations I had during this whole journey where the amount of concern she had for me, really listening to everything, um, was the first person that really like looked at the amount of weight I had lost. And, you know, pretty much said, we need these scopes. Like I, we need, you know, we need these to happen. Um, and she said, if these don't show anything, if there's nothing on these scopes, mm -hmm. I have ideas. We will keep going until we find out what is going on. Wow. And if at the end of the day, these antibiotics have just wrecked your gut, we are going to work on fixing it. You know, we'll you know, whether that's like going through a dietitian with like gut health, but that was the first time that I felt like there was a plan and someone had my back no matter what. So to put it in perspective, I mean, I was, I went to, I went to a therapist too. I started that in probably October, November. Cause it's like, okay, if it is anxiety, then I should probably address this. I would liken my psychic, um, my therapist to throwing me like floaties into the water as I am sinking mm -hmm. and trying to tread water. Yeah, I would liken them to like, you know, they're, they're trying to do whatever they can to keep me afloat. That infectious disease doctor is like throwing me a raft so I can prop myself and stay, 
stay safe. And my primary doctor was like the freaking Navy showing up and pulling me out. Finally get in for the endoscopy colonoscopy. I get um, biopsied for celiac disease. And that comes back positive. So this whole time, you know, we finally get an answer. Um, and I want to say this for anybody that's in the process of celiac, because it's really important. Um, usually you do your blood work for celiac first, and then you confirm via endoscopy. I was backwards, and I'm really grateful that I was. My blood work was negative. It's rare, but it happens. The endoscopy is the gold standard for diagnosing celiac disease. So it's really important if anyone's in that journey, if your blood works negative, don't, don't count it out just yet until you get an endoscopy. And my primary um, went one step further. She is so well-versed in celiac and she was like, we're doing a vitamin mineral panel. Um, my vitamin A was deficient. There's your answer for why your vision's blurry. But Sarah, that journey is crazy. When you found out about the diagnosis, what did you feel? I fucking knew it. I know not that it was celiac. I actually, so not that it was celiac. I knew that something bigger was wrong. And when you think about, so what's that celiac? We could all have the gene for it. It's something wakes it up. I had everything. I had a pregnancy. I had a traumatic surgery. I had infection. And for me, like, I just knew it was wrong. I I didn't put it on celiac until I looked back. I was thinking, I remember telling my GI, I don't understand, you know, Saturdays are usually my cheat days with nutrition. So this one day I tried to eat a donuts for breakfast and and then I tried to have pizza for dinner and I was insanely sick. Like, how did I, like, I missed it in my mind. I never put two and two together. So the spring was just like, you know, this, I was just in such a dark winter. And I think about that Beatles song, Here Comes the Sun, where it's like little darling, it's been a long, cold, lonely winter, you know, it's feels like it's been years since we've been here. So like the lights went up in the spring and like things, things felt less heavy with knowing what the hell was going on and happening. You know, obviously it's gluten-free, but it's bigger than that. You've got to heal. And my dietitian was just like, whole food diet for six months, nothing processed, no grains, because you're damaged right now. And you're going to, if you're doing grains, you're going to make that small intestine work a little too much. And my primary is like, take it a step further. Any beauty products that have gluten in it, soaps, um, gone, it's got to be things you don't think No, about. she's like, you don't want to inadvertently, like think about the times you accidentally swallow shampoo when you're in the shower you know she's like you don't (laughs) inadvertently swallow gluten and then you're wondering why you're sick you're that person that's so sensitive that you can't be at like a restaurant that could cross contaminate and that's that's the thing um you know I have a couple celiac friends who are like give it a couple years and you're not gonna know like be that sensitive you're just really damaged right now since you're so diagnosed 
Oh yeah. Um, and you know, I've had again, celiac friends, the same, you know, celiac is so difficult to diagnose because there's over 300 symptoms for it. Wow. I had no so idea. It's becoming more and more common um, of a diagnosis, but it's, um, it's, a uh, it's a bit of a, a pickle. I mean, there are people who are asymptomatic to it too, and they don't even know. I'm going to ask the question that for the layman's out there like myself, because celiac diagnoses have, seems like there's more of a prevalence of it now. Like you know, we're learning more about it. People are more aware about it. Did you find, did you feel, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Did you feel angry that it wasn't explored more earlier on? Um, because I mean, like you said, 300 different kinds of symptoms, maybe it, it would have always gone this way for you. Like maybe this journey always would have been this long or do you ever like, did you, I know if it were me, I'd be like, looking back, like how did they miss X, Y, Z? So that's a great question. Um, I could seriously be angry and say, hell fucking yes. Um, I ended up connecting with Jennifer Esposito. I took a class that she was running. I don't, if anybody knows her, she's an actress. Yeah. Um, she also has celiac and she, her, her journey was decades long of stuff that I was experiencing. I only had eight months and her, she was also treated for C. diff prior to me, like how I was right before prior to both of our diagnosis. So we were both like, you know, I didn't start feeling better until I went gluten-free. So I can't tell you, I can't tell you, what the let me put it to you like this if I didn't go through what I went through if I wasn't sick like I was if the journey didn't play out like it played out I never would have had a CAT scan I never would have found that splenic artery aneurysm and I would have probably been pregnant right now with my third because I wanted three kids and um splenic artery aneurysms from my vascular doctor studies like if you're you know, I asked them, is there anything I shouldn't do? Should I not like be a runner anymore? Should I, you know, watch supplements? And he said, whatever you do, don't get pregnant. And he's like, and if you want to get pregnant, you need to tell me because we need to coil and stunt that. Do not get pregnant because you could die. So had I not gone through hell, I would have been pregnant right now, not knowing what I have. And I could have died and I would have left two kids maybe a third without a mother and maybe would have lost that baby who knows so you kind of have to you know step outside the box and trust like things happened as they were supposed to happen even though I would love to say I would have loved to have gotten that diagnosis first to see what would have happened yeah well that's such a that's such an evolved way to look at it and I think you're incredible that not only you navigated that whole thing, how heavy and how dark that was, you kept going, but that you come out of it and you're, you have all this gratitude for the people who helped you and seeing the bigger picture as in, you know, thank God I did go through some of that because I was able to find this other thing I wouldn't have known about. That's, that's an amazing way of looking at it. 
Um, and I commend you for that. So after that story, are there any habits or belief systems or, or outside factors that you had to confront or reprogram while you were going through this? Because whether it was, you know, how you thought this was going to go or any of the treatment you received from professionals, was there anything that you came up against where you thought, I have to completely shift my perspective here? I think there's a couple things. Um, learning that we don't and and really can't have control out of a situation. I know I was saying that earlier. I'm type A. Um, you know, it, it's easy when you have certain things happen in your life to say, okay, I can handle this. You know, I can do this to control the situation. When it's your health, you can't. You know, no, it's your body. No one knows your body like you. Um, something's off, it's off. And you kind of need to accept that you know, at times you're going to be in a trust fall situation. I'm a completely different person. Obviously this changed me mentally, but from a health standpoint, I'm obviously the healthiest I've ever been, especially working with a dietitian, um, with, with foods, nutrition, life is really a wild, wild ride. Um, you know, I think, I think a perspective I've gained is that good will always come from bad and if we don't go through the bad, we won't appreciate the good. And we all want to live in good. We we all want to be happy 24-7. Who can blame us? Um, however, life, um, existence is a precious gift. I know that if there's anyone out there going through something hard, that that will resonate with them. I appreciate that. Sarah, can you share where the audience can connect with you and find you and um, talk more with you? Yeah. If, um, you know, if you have marketing needs, if you, Hey, if you're on your own journey and you need a pep talk, even um, after hearing this, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at Sarah Sorniak. Um, I'm sure you might have in the show notes. Um, yes. We'll link everything up to last name, Sarah, S-A-R-A-H. S-E-W-E-R-Y-N-I-A-K. And, um, you know, you can connect with me there. Wonderful. Sarah, thank you so much for being so candid and so vulnerable. Um, It was an incredible story and I'm so happy that you're on the other side of it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's It's been a blast. I appreciate you. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Reprogramming. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope we'll see you here next time. I would love if you can share this episode with your social network. Please tag me at Reprogramming Pod or at the Lindsay Hyatt on Instagram. And as always, I so appreciate your reviews on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and would be honored if you shared it with anyone who you think would benefit from this episode.